welcome to the Van Life Pantry Nomadic Pantry Podcast, where we talk all things food, cooking, kitchen, and pantry storage for vehicle nomads. This is episode five, where I will talk about hot dogs, and I will share a little segment on traditional herbal applications. I don't say herbal remedies because I am not a doctor, as I've said before, and I am not saying that any herb will treat or cure any illness or disease. What I intend to do is share the traditional uses for herbs, and those have sometimes traditionally been called herbal remedies. I'm going to call them herbal applications. They will often be crossover herbs that may also be regular pantry spices. Today, the herb that we will discuss will be oregano. So let's get to it. Before we begin, I want to recap my goals for this podcast and for my group in general. My goal is to always provide information that is practical and useful in nomadic life. The weekly topics may include recipes and ideas for what to cook, or what to prepare as no-cook meals, how to store your food items, what items are shelf-stable, meaning no refrigeration or minimal refrigeration needed, how to deal with refrigeration when you do need it, cooking tools and utensils, storage space and kitchen setup, and cleanup, because cleanup is important and we don't all talk about it, but it has to be done. Occasionally, I will also cover some food and history topics, which I haven't done yet, but I have been doing some research, and I hope to be able to share some, maybe some historic cookbooks, some public domain recipes, and other topics regarding food in history. And then I also am going to sometimes include something I'm going to call food for thought, and that may include food, actual food, or it may not really be strictly about food. But anyway, food for thought. We will throw those in on occasion. Now, let's move on to hot dogs. I recently found a podcast called A Hot Dog is a Sandwich. I can wholeheartedly agree with this statement, because when I did Friday Night Feast hot dogs last week, I had to make my hot dog on regular sliced gluten-free bread, since there were no gluten-free buns available at the store. Since a hot dog is really just meat and other items between slices of bread, I think we can classify it as a sandwich. So the debate on the podcast was actually about whether a hot dog included two pieces of bread, or if it was simply a single piece of bread cut open with a frankfurter inside, which would make it not a sandwich. I reject the argument. The counter-argument illustration was that Subway sandwiches are called sandwiches and they are made by just cutting an opening into a bread roll. And if you remember way back when Subway first started, it was literally just an opening in the bread roll. You took the bread roll, you cut an oval, elongated kind of canal in the top of that bread roll, stuffed all the ingredients as well as one could inside that canal, and then laid that long strip of bread back on top, as if that was the separate piece of bread for your sandwich. So Subway gets to call that a sandwich, which really what they actually were making was a sandwich ingredient hot dog, I think. But anyway, I agree. Hot dog is a sandwich. And I also think that if there are items placed between pieces of bread and those two pieces of bread 
are or are not conjoined, you have a sandwich. It doesn't matter if it's bread, if it's stuff in between the two pieces of bread, two sides of one piece of bread, it's a sandwich. When I was a kid, my, <laughs> I am embarrassed to even say this. My dad, of course, used to roll up the mayonnaise sandwich, which included a single slice of bread and mayonnaise. And sometimes it would have a piece of lunch meat in there or not. And that was a sandwich and it was not two slices of bread. So I think we can use the term sandwich loosely. Anyway, I think hot dogs are almost perfect foods for eating on the road, for nomadic living, for eating on the run. They do require refrigeration prior to using or if you have leftovers, unless you purchase and use within a couple of hours but they're still really versatile. Let's say you do have refrigeration and you can buy your hot dogs and put it in refrigeration. That's great. You can keep your hot dogs for several days. If you don't have refrigeration and you still want hot dogs, you might have to have a party so that all the hot dogs can get eaten at once. Um, but they're still extremely versatile. There are multiple brands of hot dog. I mean, it could make your head swim the number of brands of hot dogs there are out there and even multiple sizes of hot dog. You have standard size, stadium size, even miniature size. They are usually fully cooked already, so you can just eat it right out of the package. You don't even have to worry about cooking, and that makes it a no-cook meal if you don't have a way to cook, or if you're in a position where you don't want to cook inside the vehicle, or it's a terribly rainy day and you only ever cook outside. Just eat it out of the package. You can also um, eat them steamed. You can eat them pan-fried. You can eat them um, grilled on a barbecue grill or other grill. They can be cooked on a stick over an open fire, which might be the best way to eat them. Although, I don't know, the pan-fried kind of rivals the open fire for me. So I don't think hot dogs will ever be classified as health food, <laughs> and I don't think we want to talk about the process that went into creating a hot dog, because I'm sure that it violates my personal nutrition rule. But I actually like hot dogs, and I think they are very useful, especially in nomadic life. So there are some brands that are more healthy than others, and I like to eat Applegate natural, uncured, all-beef hot dogs. And I always read ingredient lists for almost everything I buy because, as I've mentioned, I have food sensitivities and so I always have to know what is in there. So I'm going to share with you the ingredients in the Applegate Natural Uncured All Beef Hot Dogs. They contain grass-fed beef, water, and less than 2% of the following. I love how they always put that. Less than 2%. Sea salt, organic spices, which are cayenne pepper, coriander, ginger, mace, paprika, white pepper. They have organic dehydrated garlic, organic dehydrated onion, organic paprika, and celery powder. I think that's a pretty good ingredient list if you're talking about a hot dog, especially. Um, so I feel good about eating those, and they're pretty tasty. So when I find them on sale, I like to grab some. And we hadn't had hot dogs in a while, and I think we're embarking on hot dog season, if there is such a thing. 
Um, it seems that hot dogs are much more popular in spring and summer when people are out camping and doing the hot dog on a stick over a campfire thing. And I don't know if it's a universal thing, but I kind of start to want hot dogs around this time of the year. So we decided the other day to purchase two packages because we are at home base and we are not full-time travelers and we can do that and we don't have to worry at this moment about the refrigeration um, and we were just doing some hot dog experiments. So just as there are several types of brands of dog, there are several, well, at least three types, I think I've identified, of hot dog eaters. There is the purist, who usually only wants mustard, maybe onion, maybe chili, and really that's it. They don't want any other things messing up their hot dog. They might go with a chili cheese dog if you press. But for the most part, the purist doesn't want anything else. Then you have the open mind, who is willing to try some additional toppings like maybe sauerkraut and relish and even, oh, the horror, ketchup. The purist would not even want to be in the same room with you if you're putting ketchup on your dog. And I have heard purists say only kids eat ketchup on a hot dog. Well... Then we come to the other type, and that is the adventurer, like me, who says anything can go on a hot dog. So, my Friday night feast hot dogs that I made outside on my grill last Friday included the pan-fried dog, bacon, sautéed mushroom. Now, it only took one mushroom because I was the only one who wanted to have sautéed mushroom on the dog. And like I said in a prior podcast, if you're shopping for a particular meal, don't overbuy. I only needed one mushroom. So if you're on the road and you're going to do an adventure hot dog and you want to do mushrooms, you may only need one or two mid-sized criminy mushrooms. I also put tomato, avocado, sprouts... Um, I put sweet pickle relish. I put red bell pepper. <laughs> I know I put red bell pepper in the tuna last time too. Um, I like red bell pepper. I, well, I like any bell pepper, but actually I choose the one that's on sale. I like red. I like green. I like yellow. I like orange. If one of those colors is the one on sale, that tends to be the one I buy. They do have slightly different flavor characters, but I kind of think a bell pepper is a bell pepper is a bell pepper. Um, I like the crunch. I like the flavor. I like how it plays against some of the other things, and it gives me that nice fresh ingredient that I want on something. I also use spicy brown mustard, and I used a sauce that was new to me called, well, it's by Sir Kensington, and it was called Korean gochujang everything sauce. It was really good, and it was really good on a hot dog. So I think that's an adventure hot dog. I mean, who puts sprouts and avocado and tomato and Korean everything sauce on their hot dog? You do if you are an adventurer. I've been known to put my favorite daikon radish kimchi on a hot dog as well. In fact, I had that today for lunch. Because when you have a pack of hot dogs, you just have to kind of keep eating them until they're gone. So we bought two packs. That gives us several meals over the course of a week or two. I am firmly a believer in the merits of ketchup on a hot dog. 
And my favorite simple hot dog, when I don't have all the extra adventure ingredients, is just yellow mustard, ketchup, raw yellow onion, and sweet pickle relish. Simple, flavorful, good, satisfying. On my recent R&D trip to Dollar Tree for next week's podcast, I found a can of Southgate hot dog chili sauce. And we tried it last night for the first time. I had never seen it before. And we had, guess what, hot dogs for dinner last night. Um, and it wasn't bad. I, I don't often get to have the chili because chili is made with wheat a lot of times. And I was really surprised to see at Dollar Tree that they had a chili or a chili sauce, as they call it, without the wheat filler. So that was really nice. Now, I'm going to tell you the ingredient list there too, because I always, of course, as I said, read the ingredient lists. So this list was pretty decent. It had water, beans, modified food starch, beef fat, chili powder, chili pepper, spices, salt, tomato paste, vinegar, sugar, onion powder, paprika, garlic powder, and black pepper. Now, that's a pretty good ingredient list. Nothing you can't pronounce. Now, I said last week that I don't like to eat something I can't pronounce. In truth, I can pronounce almost all the ingredients that I ever see on an ingredient list. So I wasn't exactly saying truth, even though it wasn't also not an untruth. It's just kind of a, a rule. It's it's a way to say it. If you can't understand the ingredient, don't eat it. Um, so I just wanted to say it's not always that you maybe can't understand or read the ingredient. It's just that if it's over-processed or, as in this case, my only objection to this chili sauce is the modified food starch. And that is because modified food starch is used as an emulsifier, which is a thickener, and they do that by a physical or an enzymatic or a chemical altering process. So they take a starch and they change its inherent properties in an industrial process that changes the structure of the starch. And many health experts recommend limiting your intake of modified food starch. But of course, that's up to you. The reason they recommend that you limit your intake is because it no longer resembles the starch that it started out as. It alters the structure of it. And my question, I know all people will say, all scientists and, and FDA and everybody who approves food ingredients say, it doesn't matter, it's safe, it's been tested, all of that. That's great and dandy. But some people do have food sensitivities and are more sensitive to certain things. And I really suspect that your body doesn't necessarily recognize some of the things that have been chemically adulterated in industrial food processing. I may be wrong, but that is just my opinion on the matter and partly why I agree with those, whoever those people are, the health experts that I read about, who recommend limiting your intake. It's just because, you know, over time, if you do that all the time to your body, you may wear it out faster. Who knows? Um, just like people wear out their adrenal glands by drinking too much caffeine over a period of time, i.e. me, <laughs> who can't have caffeine anymore for the last 10 years. Um, so back to hot dogs. 
what is your favorite hot dog topping? I actually like this chili, Dollar Tree, $1. It was great. It made a nice addition to the evening hot dog meal. I like all of the things I stated. I like even maybe barbecue sauce on a hot dog. Has anybody done that? How about a barbecue sauce pineapple topped hot dog? Maybe I'll try that next. How adventurous are you? Come on over to the Facebook group and let us know. It is called Van Life Pantry dash nomadic pantry if you're looking for it or leave me comments here on the podcast and let me know what toppings you like on a hot dog and just the same as we always ask is pineapple allowed on pizza I'm going to now ask is pineapple allowed on a hot dog I've never tried it but I think it is allowed and I might try it sometime so now we're going to move on to the next topic which is oregano and its traditional applications beyond just spicing food. So oregano is a spice herb that you find in most kitchens and in many foods, and you may have it in your spice rack. I highly recommend that you do because it is useful in so many foods and so many recipes. It is good to eat raw and use right from the plant if you happen to grow a countertop garden, or as a dried spice if you have it, you know, in your spice cupboard in a jar. I have it in dried spice form. I grow it in a countertop garden. I have oregano oil and I have oregano tincture in my remedy bag of tricks. So historically, oregano has been used to address skin sores, aching muscles, asthma, cramping, diarrhea, which hopefully is not from any of those foods that you've been cooking, indigestion, colds, and just to boost overall health. It is known for its antiviral, antimicrobial, antioxidant, and anti-inflammatory properties. It is a really strong agent for cleaning things, actually, and it can clean the air when aerosolized. We'll get to that in a minute. It contains several potentially useful compounds, such as carvacrol, thymol, and terpenine which I'm not even going to go into here. I'm not going to define because you can look it up. Just Google what potentially useful compounds are in oregano and it will come up for you, I promise. So um, you can... Now, where did my other... I don't even know. There it went. Okay, I lost my train of thought. I had to make a momentary pause. So (laughs) anyway, I'm not going to tell you what the things mean because you can Google it. So back to um, my next thought about oregano. People have traditionally used oregano for respiratory complaints, and it has become popular to use in connection with cold and flu symptoms. I keep a product called Sinu Orega on hand as well. It's a nasal spray. And I never used nasal sprays until a few years ago when I came upon this. Actually, it's been almost six years. When I had pneumonia about six years ago, I felt like I couldn't just, I couldn't get a handle on it. It kept digging deeper and deeper and deeper into me and I just could not kick it. And the antibiotics didn't kick it and nothing kicked it. And I, through every DIY thing I could throw at it. And 
an herbalist let me know about this product. And sometimes when you just need, when you're stuffy and you've got things going on deep in your lungs and you've got your whole head filled up with mucus and you just need something to get inside the middle and you don't know how to get it there, um, this did it for me. And anyway, it's a nasal spray from a company called North American Herb and Spice. And when I used it, um, in about a week, I felt better. I definitely am not saying that this can be used to cure pneumonia or to treat pneumonia in any way. I am just saying, for me, it was the thing that helped me finally kick the thing into gear and get it out of my head and out of my lungs and out of my body. So when I'm beginning to feel a little bit off or my throat is a little bit scratchy, I can use Sinu Orega and it really helps me. I am not getting paid for anything that I tell you at, at this point. So um, I just, you know, just know it is a product that I use. I keep it on hand at all times. You may or may not ever want to try it. Um, you can find it at most health food stores and you can also find oregano in various forms at most health food stores. So it can come in tincture or even um, gel caps or like vitamin caplets and it can be in um, oil form, two kinds. It can be in oil form that you can ingest by mouth, or it can be in essential oil form. It is important to know the difference. So here I'm gonna give you something broadcast in all caps in bold letters. You should never ingest essential oils without consulting the appropriate naturopathic or homeopathic professional. And if you are using the oil form, make sure that you purchase the correct type that is meant for ingesting by mouth. Some, I don't want to say the brand name, but maybe I will at some point. Some representatives that sell a particular kind of popular essential oil do say that you are allowed to ingest their oils by mouth. I don't know if I believe or agree with that, but each person needs to do their own due diligence and find out whether that is true. I do know that I purchase essential, uh, sorry, I do purchase essential oils used for external use and for aromatherapy. I also purchase oregano oil that is ingestible by mouth, and I use them both ways. I use the nasal spray when I need it, and let me tell you, it can be a very powerful tool in what you want to accomplish. Um, so, I have a 12-volt aromatherapy diffuser in my van. And I use it when I'm driving. And some people don't even think that that does anything or is necessary. And that's fine if you are one of those people. Um, I, I do think that aromatherapy is helpful, at least to me, in many ways. And one of those ways is because, especially oregano and certain other herbs that maybe we will cover as time goes on, because I plan to cover these regularly, um, they have antimicrobial, antiviral properties that basically help clean the air. And um, just having the scent 
around is good. And some naturopathic practitioners will tell you that breathing deeply of the essential oil is helpful in various ways. Now, like I said, you want to consult the proper person before you go doing any of these things, but I'm just giving you traditional applications and you can do with that what you will. So I love my 12 volt diffuser and I use it all the time. The drawback in a van to a diffuser for essential oils is that it can add moisture to the van and some people don't want any and some people are okay with a little bit and it depends on what climate you're in and what season it is and whether you've already got too much moisture going on. My diffuser does use water and some people would avoid that altogether. But the good news is if you do want to diffuse essential oils in your vehicle, whatever vehicle that is, you can use a 12 volt diffuser that does not use water. You can use these little woolen discs and you put the oil droplets on the disc and it uses it sort of like um, the Glade air freshener kind of works. It warms, your 12 volt connection warms the oil and, and sends out the scent. So you can diffuse oil without water or with whichever you choose. I like the little water diffuser and mine has fun colors and it does color changing. So that's super great, I think. Um, the other thing that is good to know is um, you can use tincture of oregano and it does kind of the same thing as the oil, although um, you take it a little bit differently as far as dosing goes. And um, I even use it in my water pick because I think it is really useful. I actually use a few different things in my water pick and I alternate them, but you can use the droplets, a little, uh, the tincture comes with a dropper and you can use some of the dropper full in your water pick or um, I take it sometimes in a little ounce of liquid if I feel like I need it. So that's really good to know. I think I use it all the time. If you want to know about history and how long ago these things have been used, I was reading that even in ancient Egypt, oregano was used as a preservative and as an antidote to poison. And the Greeks used O vulgare herb, which is oregano, internally and externally as a fomentation to treat skin irritations and infections, to treat dropsy, to treat convulsions, and as they said, as an excellent poison antidote. So who knew that you had such a powerful tool in your spice cabinet? Now, using it in its dried spice form is not going to get you where some of these applications need to go. So you have to know what application you want it for and what type you need to get you there. And uh, I think it is a really good vehicle for some of these things that are traditional uses. Now, you may think that's kooky and you may disagree with me and that's okay. And I hope though that you're interested at least intellectually in the information because humans have been using the compounds that exist on earth since the beginning of humankind, when we learn about a use. Pharmaceuticals use 
many of the plants and herbs and things that you commonly know about in their formulations. So these things can be useful for us, and uh, I think it's interesting and good to know. And I've been using these kinds of home applications uh, really mostly for my whole life because my mother was very knowledgeable about these things. And um, I just learned from her and I have studied myself along the way as an adult. And when I had kids, I decided I really wanted to grow them as naturally as possible. I like to keep myself as natural as possible. And if we are talking the medicine realm, I prefer naturopathy and homeopathy to allopathic medicine any day of the week. But that does not mean to say that allopathic medicine doesn't have its merits and uses. And, you know, I think they can coexist very peacefully and they both have use in modern times. Anyway, um, so that's really about it for me today. Um, we've covered oregano. We've covered hot dogs. Come visit me in the group. Give me some comments here and let me know what you think goes on a hot dog and let me know what you think of the oregano information and whether you found it useful or whether you really don't ever want to know anything more about uh, other uses for various other agents. And that is all. I'm going to wrap it up. I hope that you have happy travels and maybe we will see each other on down the road. Have an enjoyable evening.